Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Romans. The New Testament book of Romans and Romans in chapter number 16. The book of Romans and chapter number 16. Over the years, one of my favorite ways of studying the Bible has been to study the Bible by its characters. Remember, every person's life teaches a message. Sometimes people could be used as a warning and their life teaches a warning to stay away from that type of lifestyle. Other people's life teaches a message of what it's like to be faithful to the Lord and the rewards for it. But everybody's life teaches a message, including yours. And I love taking the Bible and learning more about these people that we find in the Bible. And we're going to study tonight a person who would truly be a minor character. Remember, there are major characters. And what we mean by major characters, that means that there's a lot of scripture given unto them. But every person is important. We know that there are minor characters in the Bible, meaning that they're minor in the idea that there's not a lot of scripture given to them. And I want to focus on someone who is very important to the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul, and yet not a lot is said about him, but we'll find through this that the Apostle Paul was able to do much more for the Lord because of this man than he could have done without this man. And we find his name mentioned in the book of Romans in chapter number 16. The book of Romans in chapter number 16. And if you don't mind, for context's sake, let's go ahead and pick it up in verse number 21. So the book of Romans chapter 16, and for context's sake, let's notice verse 21. Timotheus, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosifiter, my kinsmen, salute you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and of the whole church, saluteth you. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you. And Cortius, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a person that was mentioned in the book of Romans in chapter number 16? The book of Romans chapter 16 in verse number 22, we're introduced to a person who actually uses the personal pronoun identifying himself as I. I, then notice the word Tertius. And that's the person we want to put our attention on, this idea of Tertius. And we'll give this title for him, Transcriber for the Lord. Tertius, transcriber for the Lord. If you don't mind it, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God and the great privilege it is to be here tonight to open up your word and to be a blessing and encouragement to your dear folks. And it's been a busy day for me, but Lord, I'm asking that you would set me aside 
And that you would empower this message for the idea of encouraging your folks here in this church. That you would be a blessing to them. That you would encourage them. And let them know that every single one of them can be used of the Lord. I'm asking that you would just help us even now to have an understanding. Put the history together. And that we would see how you use this man Tertius to be a help in the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul. Thank you Lord for whom you are in Jesus name. Amen. Now, at the end of Romans, we see a list of greetings and salutations. Many of Paul's epistles end with various personal greetings, where he takes some time and says, greetings to you, and greetings to you, and Timothy says hi, and a lot of these other personal greetings. On the surface, it seems like an inconsequential list. However, a lot of information could be learned through these lists. In this specific list, the scribe emerges from behind the scenes to give his own personal greetings. He says hello and interjects that he's the one who physically writes this list. Notice in verse 22, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Now, that's a pretty bold saying that this guy kind of pauses and says, all right, Paul, let me have a second. Hey, I'm the guy who wrote this with my own hand. Okay, good. I just wanted to say hi. And so he interjects this and it, and it looks kind of different. But who is this Tertius? And what can we learn from him? The first thing I'd like to point out from Tertius's life is that he was Paul's ready scribe. He was Paul's ready scribe. In Paul's day, most letters were written by a professional scribe, which was called an anamnesis. I was working on this pronunciation, forgive this. Anamnesis. How do you spell this? A-M-A-N-U-E-N-S-I-S. Amanusis. This amanusis would be the penman of the sender. So usually someone would hire a scribe in amanusis, and they would be someone who would actually write the letter for a person. Usually the person who would be purchasing the letter would be illiterate themselves. So they wouldn't be able to write. So they would hire someone who would be able to write for them on their behalf. And they would write this letter so they could communicate to another person. This would be very important in a world where many people are illiterate. Now, sometimes the amanuensis would also act as an editor to make sure that the letter was put together properly and to limit some of the grammatical errors. Of course, that happens that even when we speak, we kind of nod and understand what people say, but there are times that we don't use proper grammar in the way that we speak. Well, the person who would write this letter, he would be a professional scribe. He would often clean up the language and the grammar so that way it actually sound decently intelligent and be able to communicate the proper thought. And so that would be part of his job as well. That would be a pretty important job for that ancient world where people were illiterate and they wanted to communicate a truth and they wanted to communicate it in a way that others could understand them as well. In addition, the amanuensis would be responsible for collecting the necessary materials for writing. This was not easy since you could not get paper in bulk. 
So it would be this person's job to be able to secure something to write on. Whether it was papyrus or parchment or vellum. But remember that each of these materials would be quite extensive or expensive and very rare to find. And so to have someone whose professional job was to be a writer, he would also know where he could get paper from, where to get vellum from, how to have things prepared for, how to get ink. And that would be something that perhaps like an illiterate person who may be a businessman, who maybe couldn't speak or couldn't, or couldn't write well, that it would be handy to have someone who knew where to get these materials so he could go ahead and send this packing list, to send this communication, to be able to send this legal letter or whatnot. These were very important people inside of that ancient world. Now another advantage of an amanuensis is that they were trained to write small and neatly where paper was scarce. It wasn't like you had a lot of uh, opportunities to mess up and start again. Many of us who have gone through school have done that when we're writing our first drafts. Or maybe you as you're writing your kingly challenge to be able to say, oops, made a mistake, oops, made a mistake. Well, back then, because paper was so scarce, you could not afford to make many mistakes. In addition to be able to write very small, but still be able to write legibly was a big deal. And so these were people who had special skills of writing, of being the scribe to communicate properly, to have proper grammar, to be able to get a source of information, to be able to write in a way that others could read it. This is a very big deal. And Tertius would be Paul's personal ready scribe who would help the Apostle Paul not only in this letter but many of the letters that the Apostle Paul had wrote that turned into scripture and those that were not part of scripture. He was a very important person. Now this would bring us to a second idea, Paul's need for a scribe. Now, of course, Paul was educated, very well educated. In his world, Paul was considered a doctor, meaning that he was someone who had gone through the levels of education and had learned from the very best of the land. The schools at Tarsus were considered some of the best in the ancient world. He went to go study in Jerusalem under the best teachers. He was someone who was educated himself. So why in the world would Paul need a scribe to work for him? Well, there'd be several reasons. May we take some time to point them out of why it would be a help to have Tertius to be working alongside of Paul who himself was very educated? Well, first of all, Paul had developed an eye disease. Paul had developed an eye disease. There is eternal evidence in scriptures to believe that Paul had developed some problems with his eyes on his missionary journeys. Now we do know that he did have a thorn in the flesh that he had mentioned in 2 Corinthians. The passage in 2 Corinthians doesn't identify what it was, but it was something that Paul very much brought to the Lord and said, Lord, if you could just fix it, if you could just take it away, I could definitely do more for you. So <laughs> we know that whatever it is, it was something that he wanted God to fix and he believed it would have been a blessing and a help to the ministry. However, God ended up telling him that my grace is sufficient for you. Amen. He said, you'll be fine. I've got other plans for you. We have further internal evidence in the book of Galatians 6.11 that Paul wrote about how a large letter had been written in his hand. So at the end of Galatians, in fact, let's turn there if you don't mind. Galatians chapter 6. 
the book of Galatians in chapter number 6. So Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 11. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 11. It says, Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand. Now when Paul's writing this, he's not talking about large in the terms of volume. What he is speaking about is the large letters of handwriting that he wrote. Now because Paul had an eye disease it would be plausible that he wasn't able to see small writing. And if he's going to take time to write a letter himself, that he would have to write large letters so he can see what he's writing. Of course, today we even see some older folks who are having problems with their eyes and they can't read small things and they write a little bit bigger. Here, the Apostle Paul, as he's got an eye disease that's a little bit more than corrective lenses, he's actually having problems with his eyes, that he said, listen, I wanted to write this letter personally. I, by the way, Galatians is his most passionate book. He is upset. So you can imagine he doesn't want to scribe in his way. Listen, I'm going to write it myself. Listen here. Oh, I bewitched you, you foolish Galatians. And he's upset. And he, he said, when the letter gets delivered to them, could you imagine the surprise when, oh, it's, the letters are like big. I mean, it's 200 points font or typeface. What in the world? And so he's looking at this letter. He says, you see how large of a letter that I wrote with my own hand? Another evidence that he also had problems with his eyes. And because of that, he was required to write large. Well, think about the book of Romans. We'll talk some details later. That's a type of book that you're not going to be able to practically write in big, large letters. You're going to need someone who's going to be able to write small for you. But again, showing that he needed this because he had an eye disease and it was an inhibitance. It was something that was making it where it was not practical for him to write things in his own hands. Notice with me in Galatians chapter 4, we find some other internal evidence. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 and notice with me in verse 13. Galatians 4 and 13. Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh, meaning that I had some problems, you guys knew I had some problems, I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not. So he says, you knew I had some problems, and the problems, you didn't despise it, even though I was struggling with it. It was something I, I, I had issues with. Nor reject it, but receive me as an angel or a messenger of God, even as Jesus Christ. Where is then the blessedness you spake for? For I bear record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So again, as he's saying, listen, you knew my infirmity, you knew the problems I was having, and I was having problems, if we could assume that he was having problems with his eyes, and they knew and they bear with it, uh, Ancient sources say that Paul had a disease that was making his eyes kind of pop out. He looked like he had bug eyes. And so it was something that when you looked at him, you, he says, you were very gracious. You didn't make fun of me. You, you didn't point it out. You didn't say, hey man, this is like crazy Igor guy. But he says, you were very gracious. In fact, when I was there preaching to you and won many of you to the Lord, if it were possible, you would have taken your healthy eye and given it to me 
if it was able to be transferred because you love me so much and you wanted to help the ministry. You wanted to help things go forward. So again, this is another internal evidence that Paul was having some problems with his eyes. And it was known at least to the people of Galatia, much less some of the other people in the world. But he, why did he need a ready scribe? Why did he need a professional person? Because he was having problems with his own sight. And it was something that was an inhibitance for him to continue to write things in his own. He needed someone to help him out. Now again, can you imagine how frustrating it would be to someone as well educated as the Apostle Paul. Not to be able to do something simple to him to write it down himself. And it's not like you could trust just any old person to do so. If you could imagine an author, a very published author, say, you know what? I'm having some issues. Can you go ahead and write this up for me? Not many authors would trust someone else unless they knew what they were doing to help him out. So we understand that he had a eye disease. Now the book of Galatians was written fairly early in Paul's ministry. His eyesight would have not gotten better but instead would have gotten increasingly worse. To pen a lengthy book like Romans was not within Paul's ability during that time with the materials available. It would have been more practical to have a professional scribe pin the words that was necessary. A second reason for Paul's need for a scribe is not only did he have an eye disease, but also every writer needs a good editor. Every writer needs a good editor. Any honest, experienced writer will admit a great editor is worth their weight in gold. Why is that? Because there are many times that our thoughts in our head sound great and it makes sense to us. But when we put them down on paper and written it down form, others might not understand what was in our head. So to be able to have someone go beside and to be able to take that thought and clean it up so others can be able to understand it is a very great skill. To have someone knowledgeable in the subject that's discussed to be able to communicate something very important. With the idea of the doctrine of scripture, we understand that God did not just give the ideas, but God gave the words of scripture. But it was not through mechanical dictation. Mechanical dictation has the idea where he says, all right, Paul, write, I, Paul, love you. That's not the idea, but God did use inspiration to give us the words. So God would use an and direct the penman to write it down, but it wouldn't be that God would say something and they would write it down. But the Holy Spirit would work with that human instrument. So even so, Paul wrote more letters and epistles that were not scripture. Now the Bible indicates in 2 Peter 1 that no person sat down with a purpose of writing down scripture, but God, as they were writing, God would inspire them. In fact, the book of Romans itself. The book of Romans was written for the idea that here's a young lady who's transferring membership to the, book, uh, to the church of Rome, and she goes, Paul, can you give me a, a letter of recommendation? Sure, I'll sit down. And as he starts to write this letter of recommendation, all of a sudden you got this great treatise of, of salvation. And that was God taking over in something that was just supposed to be an a, a entrance letter. What a wonderful thing. Aren't you glad for it? But God took over and gave him something of this. So how would an amanuensis be involved with the pinning of Scripture? Now it was very clear according to Romans 1.1 that Paul was the human penman behind this idea of Scripture. Writing the book of Scripture. 
So what would happen is that Tertius, the Amanusus, the professional scribe, would be there with Paul. And so it could have started, uh, there's probably a couple ways that this could have been done. The one way is that he could have written it down longhand at Paul's dictation. So Paul would say a word and then Tertius would write it down. Now to do that, to write it down longhand, would actually take quite a long time. We'll get into that in just a second. The second way, and the most common way that would happen in the ancient world, is that many of the Amanusis, the scribes, would have a shorthand. And so as Paul would dictate it to him, he would write it down in shorthand. Then what he would do is take those shorthand notes, turn around, and turn it into a longhand form. And then he would show it back to Paul and get Paul's approval. Is this what it was supposed to say? And this copy had to be met with Paul's approval. That's more than likely what had been done. That was the common practice for most of the scribes at that time. So then we come to the applications from Paul's scribe. So we started off that explaining about Paul's ready scribe and his job inside of the ancient world. Then we saw Paul's need for a scribe that he had an eye disease and then also having the idea of a, a, a professional editor to help him down and to be able to record these things to get those thoughts together. But then we have the application. So how do, what does this do for us? What, what do we learn from this? How does this apply to us? First of all, we understand, use the talents and skills you have for the Lord. Use the talents and skills that you have for the Lord. We understand not everyone is called to be a preacher. That's a true fact. But there are other ways to be a help. Inside of a church, every church needs physical labors, meaning someone who could physically carry a box, change a light bulb, do physical help. We also know that God equips different people with different gifts, gives them abilities and skills to further God's work. For example, a church that has an electrician has someone who's a skilled laborer who could help the church in special ways. You have someone who's able to use a computer well or someone who has banking skills, or we know that God has given many times us specialized training, specialized help, and that he could use those things inside of the ministry to help advance the cause of Christ. Inside of the book of Romans, there are over 7,000 words. If you were to dictate this longhand, word by word, it would have taken 11 hours to do so. So if you can imagine, here's the Apostle Paul that as God has given him scripture, here's a man that would dedicate it 11 hours to write this down. So that changes everything that we think about scripture here. This was something that took time. It wasn't just snap your fingers and all of a sudden I got scripture here. This was something that took work and took skill. And even the secular historians say that the book of Romans is one of the most perfect, amazing, ancient literature ever written. It is amazing to put it together. It is something that even people who don't believe the Bible say this is a work of art. And think, here is a man who took the time to work alongside the Apostle Paul to write these things down. Then, of course, there would be at least more than one draft before the final. You know, we might think of some amazing writer, but when's the last time you've ever turned in a paper that was just perfect on the first draft? It takes work. 
we would imagine that this would take some work, especially if it was Paul dictating to Tertius, and then Tertius would have to go and say, listen, was this right? Is this what you meant? And they would have to rearrange and clean some up. That's practical as God is helping direct and put that together. It's not the idea that, hey, we got it down perfect the first time. Again, as many of you are experiencing in this kingly challenge, not everything goes around the first time perfectly, even when you're copying what someone has already written. And so here is something that it's going to take time. It's going to take labor. Someone went and calculated the cost of the paper, the cost of the materials, and the cost of labor just to give the final draft for the book of Romans would have been equivalent to about $2,275. Now, in the ancient world, that's a lot of money. In modern America, us in this church, that's still a lot of money. Amen. <laughs> Here is someone who donated his time, possibly donated the materials to help the Apostle Paul get accomplished what God has given. And this book cost over $2,000 of someone's labor, of someone's material to go alongside with the Apostle Paul to get something. And aren't you glad we get to read the book of Romans? In fact, we're passing out John and Romans now. Why? Because the book of Romans is such a wonderful doctrinal treatise on the doctrine of salvation. Amen. It cost about 2000 something dollars of someone donating their time to help the preacher get accomplished something God has given to him. That's pretty amazing to think about. Now, since Tertius was donating his time to the Lord to serve Paul, some have suggested that as a reward, Paul allowed Tertius a moment to say hello. Uh, uh, so as Paul's writing, he says, listen, go ahead and give it to me and I'll write the rest of it with my own hand. But before you do that, go, you go ahead and take a second to say hello. So Tertius says, all right, hi, I, Tertius, write this with my own hand. I salute you. Hi, guys. All right, here you go, Paul. That would be just his little reward, just to kind of give him a little hello and just allow him to say, hey, you know, I, I'm the one who put this together. I'm the one who helped. I mean, praise the Lord that Paul allowed him to have a second just to say hello and to recognize his labor and to recognize what his role was in getting us the book of Romans. I mean, it may not be a major thing at the time, especially when you're giving up $2,000. But you know, 2,000 years later, we get to read about him and study about him of someone that's worth its weight in gold. And beyond that, he gets to stand before God and think of all the people that got saved because of the book of Romans. You think that donation of $2,000 was worth it? Absolutely. So here's someone who had special training, special skills, access to materials that he donated to the Apostle Paul and said, Paul, I just want to be a blessing. I want to help you get accomplished. I can tell that God's got things for you. How can I be a help? Can I, can I use my skills to help things get accomplished? So we understand, first of all, in application is that we're to use the talents and skills that you have for the Lord. What has God equipped you with? You know, Playing the piano is a special skill. Not everyone can do it. Amen. And not everyone can do it according to the song leader we currently have here. 
Some of you may have other skills that God has equipped you with and trained you with and prepared you. Maybe you have a desire and something that you plan on studying. And as you plan on studying, God can say, I'm directing you this on purpose so that way you can be a help to the church and you don't even realize it yet. You could use your talents and your skills to help the cause of Christ. You know, something else that we learn, and as an application, is your time and talents can help God's work move forward. Think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, according to what we find in history, had started 140 to 180 churches. That's a lot. That takes time. That takes effort. Paul was busy. Think about this. Paul is winning people to the Lord. Paul is discipling people to the Lord. Paul is having debates with people. He is training people. And he's starting churches. Think of everything that he has to do. To be able to allow some people to take some of the special projects. Allowed the Apostle Paul to do even more to accomplish to the Lord. Think about if he had to take the time to go back and write this letter and proofread it and edit it and then having a hard time looking at it at the same time with his eyes, that would have took a lot of time that could have been used for something else. If we're able to take our time and talents, think about Paul, that Paul could get a lot more accomplished because someone went alongside and helped them and used their special skills. In a church like this, we could get more things accomplished if some people are able to take these projects. As more people could work on computers and websites, they could take that. As more people have time, they could pass out John and Romans. You know, there's a lot more things that could be done than one person can do by themselves. Everyone has a part to play and your time and your talents can help move this local church move forward. Just like people like Tertius helped the Apostle Paul get more accomplished than what he could ever do by himself. There's a third thing that we can make application and this is a big deal to me. Is that effective church planting and growth comes from a missionary team. A missionary team. By the time the Apostle Paul was on his third missionary journey, he had a good team behind him. It wasn't just one or a couple of people. There was a missionary team that went with him. There are people that God is using or plans on using that's worth investing in. So imagine the missionary team. They rallied around the Apostle Paul because they said this is someone God is using. I'm willing to dedicate my life for him. Whether it's some couple like Aquila and Priscilla who said, you know what, we're going to work alongside the Apostle Paul and we're going to travel with him and we're going to disciple and you know what, we're going to have a job so that way we could pay for the Apostle Paul so he doesn't have to work. Amen. And we want to help him out. You think of a Dr. Luke who had a medical practice who was trained and was officially licensed by Rome who gave it all up and said, I'm going to travel with the Apostle Paul. Because I love the Apostle Paul. And he's got a lot of medical problems. He's got this eye disease. He's got some back problems. I'm going to travel with him. And I'm going to keep him going. So the Apostle Paul can keep moving forward. Praise the Lord for Dr. Luke. He had other people who went along with him. Who was able to take these. Including Tertius. As far as we understand. Tertius traveled along with him. And was there. Paul said, hey, write this down. Hey, can you write this for me? Hey, can you put this? Hey, can you send a letter to? That would be such a help. 
during this time to help with the writing ministry. You know, if a church is going to be planted, there's going to be some of that. You've got to have the ministry leader. You've got to have some good families who are willing to go and invest. A church can be planted quicker than if you just put a fam, uh, just the pastor and his family or the missionary family. But if you had some families that traveled with him and said, listen, we're going to help you for six months and we're going to just be there. So at least you have somebody in church, someone to encourage you, someone to help pass out tracts. Hey, you know what? We're going to have someone who could be in here and help give for these special projects. So we have the money to keep operating and keep moving forward. In addition, we're going to have some people who are going to be able to put together a website to be able to control the social media sites, to be able to take care of this. We got some people who could put together some pamphlets to put together some tracks. You know, tracks you have to design and you have to put them together. That takes work and that takes effort. And so you have them with them and have a printing ministry that's able to print out things. Even simple things as, hey, can you go run some copies? Can you print some things off? That's a big help. Whatever I can do to have someone to help. If you have a missionary team, you have more people knocking doors than just one couple. Even something, hey, we got someone who's assigned to clean the building so that way the missionary family can be up there. More people discipling. You know, church planting would blossom a lot more if we would send out a missionary team from a church than just a single person and his wife. This is how effective church planting would go. As you look at the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul would go to a place, he would be directed of God, start the church, his missionary team would help him knock doors, start working. Then he would say, all right, the church isn't stable yet. Timothy, stay here and I want you to train someone up to be the pastor and then come and find me. That would allow the Apostle Paul not to stay until they trained a pastor, but to go ahead and start another church and still understand this church isn't going to collapse, that Timothy's there, that Titus is there, that one of the other young people that he trained was there. It was a missionary team that was involved inside of it. As we have a desire to start churches from here, that we're going to be effective if we send out a missionary team and each person has its job. If you look at missions and how missions blossomed in the 1800s, you know what would happen? Is that missionaries would go to a country and oftentimes those countries didn't have a written language. And so when they would travel, they would travel as a team. They would have the lead, but they would also bring a printer who would run a printing press. And they would have a linguist who would help develop the language. And they would develop the language. The preacher would help direct traffic, help win people to the Lord. The linguist would help give the scriptures into a written language. And the printer would be printing off the materials. So that way they could start and give the people um, <coughs> the, um, the scriptures right away and get a church. If you could study the, the efforts of the person who went to Burma. And I can't remember his name. Forgive me. I'm going off the top of my head. Adamire Johnson, very good. That's one of the things that they did is that part of the missionary team, one of the important parts was a printer. And you understand back then it was still the printing press where you had to line up each of the letters backwards and how to put them together and have that in the materials and know how to run the press. That is a special skill that someone was equipped to have. Having a linguist who could be able to understand different languages and give them a written language and translate is a big deal. Our missionaries would be a lot more effective if they went out as missionary teams instead of 
a man and a wife and his kids trying to do their best with what they have and struggling for so long until finally things break through. And this church would be a lot more effective in helping us grow in addition to starting new churches. When we start new churches, if we could get a missionary team of people with skills, people with time, people with talents, people who are willing to work, people who are willing just to say, hey, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do physical labor. We could see a lot of churches start it fairly rapidly as we become equipped to do. Wouldn't that be amazing? And to have churches that will last and not just collapse after a little bit. You see, there's a lot more things that could be done and everyone has a skill. Everyone has a talent. Everyone has something they could do. And if you don't, you could still learn a skill. Amen. You could learn a different language. What if we had someone here that learned Spanish and took it upon them? What if we had someone here who took it upon themselves to learn American Sign Language? What if we had someone that learned the Hmong language? And be able to reach the Hmong population here. What if we had someone who made it their skill that said, I want to be a transcriber. I'll take pastor's messages. You know, one of the reasons why I don't get enough books written is because I, don't, I have to transcribe the messages and put them together. If I have someone who takes the messages I preach and transcribes them, it'll be easier to put them together in books and get more things out. I'm praying for people who know other languages that could take the books that I write, translate them in the languages, and we could send them out to the missionaries where they could use them and help those missionary projects. I got big ideas. I got a lot of things to do. Man, if we had a financial accountant who knew how to use money and help us to use our money wisely. Now, we think we're doing our money wisely, but you know, we could do a lot better and there are things we don't know. Wouldn't it be great to have someone who actually understood finances and helped us to make the money so we could go out? There's a lot of skills that could be done and people can learn and, and develop these things for the Lord. There's a room for you. Every single one of you have a role to play. That We know that being a part of a church is not a spectator sport. Everyone has a role. And if nothing else, your greatest ability is your availability. Are you available? If nothing else, we need people who have time and health to pass out tracts, to pass out John and Romans, to be able to help. We need people who are healthy enough to clean. Can you run a vacuum? Can you wash a toilet? Those things help. They're a very big deal. Everyone has a role to play. Everyone can help this church move forward and help us to do more things than just one person or just a few people doing it by themselves. That's what we learn from the life of Tertius. Here's someone who is a professional scribe who helped the Apostle Paul give us the book of Romans at the very least. And what a great help he was. Something that would take the Apostle Paul a lot longer to do by himself because of the infirmities he had in his life. No wonder God said, listen, I'm not going to heal your eyesight, Paul. You've got somebody who is equipped right beside you. Let him do the job. Instead of him trying to do it himself and trying to shoulder the load. Isn't that God's graciousness to allow Tertius to be available so Paul wouldn't have to? God knew what he was doing. And he raises people for that. So the question I have for you is, are you available? What skill do you have? What health do you have? If nothing else, physical labor is needed. We need people to help pass out tracts. John and Romans invite people to church. But maybe you have a skill 
And you say, I don't know how God could use it, but it's available. You'll be amazed about what can God can do when he have tools that are available. What can you do for the Lord's sake? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.